Today on the Scott Thompson Show on AM 900 CHML. Joining us now, Dan McTagg is with us, former Liberal MP and Consumer Affairs Critic, uh, analyst, gasbuddy.com to find out more. All right, we talked uh, weeks ago about OPEC and them trying to get along and come to some consensus about what they're going to do with production. Uh, obviously decided at one point to uh, keep the taps open, flood the market, hoping to drive uh, frackers and shale and all of that out of business uh, and such. Obviously, that hasn't happened. Uh, then there was chatter that they're, uh, of course, decided to get on the same page and try to cut production to drive prices back up. It, does that matter anymore? I mean, is there enough production in other parts of the world where it really doesn't matter what OPEC does? Well, there's 65 nations that produce oil more than what they consume. Um, 24 of them have decided to sign on to a uh, reduction of what amounts to 1.2 million uh, barrels a day. Uh, and they're, they're moving towards that. But as they do that, so the Americans are picking up uh, their uh, production by 100 million barrels a day. I mean, uh, sorry, 100,000 barrels a day, 100 million, I wish it were that much. Um, you know, the fact is that they are going to, at the end of the year, wind up with uh, producing more energy uh, and more oil, uh, the very kind of oil that is being uh, withdrawn from the market in other parts of the world. So are we going to hit that balance between uh, supply of oil globally and demand? I don't think so. I, You know, I think we're still uh, far off. It's still early days, but... Um, you know, if if several exemptions have been given to the Libyas, to the Iraqs uh, of this world, uh, with Iran, you know, told that it cannot produce more, but it can certainly lead up to what it was uh, able to produce prior to the sanctions being imposed about five years ago, it seems to me that uh, you're still going to wind up uh, imbalanced in terms of oil and, and demand. And so... Uh, I don't see how this is going to move until at least 2018. So the price you see as for oil is, I think, pretty much going to be the benchmark for the year with the possibility that in six months this whole agreement, which is only six months long, uh, may very well be the last agreement uh, for quite some time. Is it easier to make cap-and-trade policies and, and energy policies a, a little bit more palatable when oil is so cheap? I mean, people are sitting paying, you know, around a buck for a liter of, of gasoline. Do they care if it goes up to a buck five or a buck ten? Well, they do, depending on what kind of vehicle they're driving and what the alternatives are. But five cents uh, multiplied by uh, 65 liters multiplied by 50 weeks is an extra 150 bucks. And uh, that's just for gasoline, never mind uh, the diesel, uh, which went up a lot more than that, which delivers pretty much everything throughout our economy, or better yet, a colder winter, which is, well, of course, what we're having, which means that, uh, uh, you know, taxing uh, and placing a burden on such clean energies as propane and, uh, more importantly, natural gas means that the, uh, you know, costs will be much higher, and that's only the beginning. We don't know which way cap-and-trade will go. What we do know is, unlike the carbon tax system that exists, say, in uh uh, British Columbia, it's not revenue neutral. It's designed to take money out of our pockets and have uh, the government design and decide where that money that would potentially anywhere from $1.8 billion, uh to much higher, where that's going to be spent throughout the economy. And so uh, it, does, uh, man, it does matter, I think, to a lot of people, uh, not just in terms of its direct impact, but the lack of, a, of, of an indirect benefit. Why aren't we doing what BC is doing? Aren't they the environmental province? Aren't they sort of the environmental watchdog for the rest of the country? Aren't they more sensitive to this than anyone? Yeah, you would think. I, I don't know why this decision was made to choose this particular system, which has been uh, generally uh, trashed 
globally. I well, mean, I, you California. know, my first my first answer to that is is exactly what you just said. It's not transparent. You don't know where the money goes, and it can be right. used to finance other projects. Well, that's it, and that's so. You know, bear in mind that it's also taxed, and it taxed. Uh, we've already seen a tax on energy of eight percent, which was introduced by the same government, uh, although a different premier. Uh, but the same group that's now finding their way working with the uh, the new prime minister in, in Ottawa uh, by eight percent. Um, at that time, uh, it was it was it was trying to be. I was sitting as a Liberal caucus member uh, federally and saying, "How are you going to how are you going to justify an across the board eight percent increase at a time when prices are rising? If prices start to rise again, um, this will only compound the uh, the difficulty and the ability for people to pay. And then, no, people will not be able to turn around and buy a brand new electric car, which is three times the cost." And certainly, um, you're forcing people to do something, not that they can do, but that they really financially cannot do. Uh, I just, I think it's important that those who are making the wonks making these decisions, uh, cheering us on with uh, ads that uh, that tell us that, that we're we're doing a disservice to our children if we don't agree with this stuff, should really do a little bit more homework. Go back and uh, check out the drawing board because there is uh, a serious and growing disconnect from the emails that I'm getting between uh, those who want all environment and those who can't afford it. Want to hear more? Download the podcast on iTunes or Google Play and listen to The Scott Thompson Show weekdays from noon to 3 on AM 900 CHML.